Let's do one more. This one's titled, I don't have enough good words. Exclamation point five stars. Amy Marie 18. So wonderful. Thank you guys for taking this on. That was good. That was good, Steve. So thanks for leaving that review. You guys, please, it would help us so much if you would leave a rating and or review wherever you listen to this podcast. I was going to say, that's word, a great though. word when she used it. I was <laughs> like, like oh I, don't gosh, I, I don't think I've ever heard that word. It's a great band name, Inculcating Shane. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, friends. Today we're going to talk about punching each other's crotches and when it's the right time to stop. <laughs> <laughs> when it feels good, when it doesn't feel good, when it stops feeling good. Consensual crotch punching. <laughs> Another good band name. Shit. <laughs> it always works. Oh. All right, Steve, anytime you like. From Mill U Media Group. This is Fun Parts, an exploration of sexuality and spirituality for anyone who's curious or convinced there must be more. With your host, Becky Patton, Ashley Lusink, Steve Weens, Luke Bronner, and me, Latifa Alatas. Fun Parts! Well, I'm a parent. Not everybody is a parent, though, and I want to be really sensitive to that. We don't always have the luxury of talking about topics that are open to everybody, but I think most people will hopefully find some joy and helpfulness in today's conversation starter. But what I want to... Can I... But I want to say most people are either an aunt or an uncle too, so that applies, or you have neighborhood kids that you see or things like that. So it's not just about parenting. I think this can extend into how we are around younger human beings. Hmm. I want to so. say it too, like we've all been children. So the way, like yeah. the compassionate ways to see how we were raised and yeah. how, wherever we ended up with yeah. this conversation. But Well, thanks for interrupting me, uh, both <laughs> both Becky and Ashley. That <laughs> so was nice. It was, it was my first time in four seasons actually starting a show. And okay, I feel like I, I sort, of, sort of stumbled and fumbled, but um, no, I love it. No, that's very true. It's very true. Both those things are true. One note though, Steve. <laughs> Uh-huh. Just, uh-huh. I just want to say you're doing great. Uh-huh. That's what I was going to yeah, say. So, remember, remember how well I listened last time? <laughs> yeah, you just remember said, how I, you I went about 35 <laughs> minutes without even saying, saying a word? You did. I'm so listening. You guys have all failed. You guys have all failed. <laughs> it's <laughs> a new episode. day. No, I love it. Uh, so here's the tee up. I think most of us that have been raised in a certain kind of rigid conservative culture where our parents gave us really strict guidelines about what to do and what not to do and our church and our youth groups. And so we have this thought, like we are going to raise our kids really differently. Our kids are not going to have to go through that. Our kids are going to, you know, they're going to be healthy and whole. And I think that's such a good desire. And hopefully we're going to talk about some of the ways to do that. It's also really, I mean, my kids are now teenagers and I'm really understanding Mary and I, my wife and I were just talking how, it's already, we're already having to let go and let them have their own experiences and let them have their own reactions. And that just seems like it came a lot sooner than we thought they're, you know, about 15 and 13. And so maybe here's my question. How do you think we might hold a good balance of compassionately loving and parenting our kids well, but also understanding the work will be left incomplete. The work of parenting our, our kids, actually, and 
helping our kids become whole human beings is not just our work. Mm. It's partly their work. It's partly other people's work. So how do we not get so bound up with the pressure to parent perfectly? And though, how do we create an intention to not do some of the damage that maybe was done to us? There's a lot of questions in that question, I think. And one of the things that I think is important to recognize first and foremost is we are all going to make mistakes. We just are. And mistakes aren't necessarily the enemy. They can be the teachers, but it's how we hold those. Oftentimes we had a common joke in our house, you know, oh, you're going to be in therapy over that one. I'm just sure, you know, and our kids would kind of laugh. Ha ha ha. That was fine. But there reached a point where they said they didn't like that. They were like, this is who we are. And please quit telling us that we're going to have to have therapy for that because they confronted me and said, do you like me? Hmm. And I was like, yeah, I do like you. Then quit telling me I will need therapy for this. If I need therapy, you've taught me that I will get therapy, but don't keep telling me the mistakes that you've done or mm. how they're impacting me. And that was an eye opener for me. Now they were more college age when they started telling me that, but I think there's something I would call a kind parenting to ourselves because yeah. we are in process as our children are in process. And I think especially around this topic of sexuality and spirituality, I don't think there's just one way to do it. And I think there's a lot of try, fail, and then learn. And let's try again. And then let's, oh, off that fails. And then I'll learn. And offering ourselves grace and compassion and kindness teaches our children a pattern of being able to offer themselves kindness when they actually fail at something. And so I think big question for me when I hear that, because I'm thinking of all the young people in my life is I want to be ready and able to meet them where they're at, not with all the answers, but with a wide capacity to hold questions with them. And I don't know what their questions are, but can I do that? And especially about their bodies. I like that, Becky. And so in real time, what happened just before this recording, I don't know when it'll be released in the world, but Ashley read a reading from this beautiful book by this rabbi. And one of the concepts in the reading and in Hebrew scriptures is this word hineni, which means here I am, but it also means here I am in this moment, present to whatever this moment will bring and open to whatever outcome flows out of this moment. And I think that's the kind of parenting I would like to do when I'm at my best instead of having 17 guidelines in my mind about how I'm going to do this well and do this right. Cause then you can miss, you can miss the moment and miss, you know, cause the young people in our lives, whether it be nieces, nephews, kids, grandkids, whoever, uh, God, children want to meet us in the moment that is in front of us. Everyone does. And if I have an agenda, for how even a good agenda, I'm going to miss that moment. And so, I mean, that's the kind of human being I want to be, but that's especially the kind of parent I want to be. I heard someone say the other day, I want to really get into my, like, I want to be curious about my kid's life without investigating. Mm. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, how was your day? Well, what kind of friends are you making these days? How was your grades? That's investigating. Mm-hmm. And kids just, that they have a radar for that. Like that feels yucky, you know, but being present and being open and Hineni, here I am and here you are. Mary did this the other day with one of our kids in such a cool way. He said, like, I really want to, I really someday want to be chased by a police officer. Yeah. In a car, you know, (laughs) I really, I want to be in a high speed chase, (laughs) you know, now what as a parent? Hell yeah. (laughs) Me too. Too many movies. (laughs) Do you know how much Grand Theft Auto I play in my life? Yes. And, you know, as Mary was telling me that I wasn't there, but as Mary was telling me this, you know, she said her first reaction was everything, you know, oh no. But she, instead she goes, oh really? What about that sounds fun Mm. to you? You know, because not every moment is a teaching moment Mm. as a parent. Mm. It's not. Sometimes you got to really just follow the thread, Mm. you know? Mm. But every moment is an experience. Every moment is an experience. Yeah. I just said to Mary, like, that is just fantastic parenting to, Mm. to be aware of your first reaction, to let it float right on by, and then just to engage, you know? mindfulness yeah Yeah. so i know we have i mean our show is geared specifically towards recovery from purity culture sexuality spirituality and i think we've had a lot of questions kind of roll in before we started the season from parents who have some really specific like i don't want to mess up my kid in regard to sexuality Mm -hmm. and i don't want to shame them i feel like that's kind of an overarching thesis and what they're asking is like how do i not shame my child but still help my child as they're kind of navigating this piece of who they are. And, you know, I know last season we we got into a little bit because a parent had a question about, you know, my child is has a lot of friends that are trying to figure out their identity, you know, or who they're attracted to. And kids these days seem like more open to that, but sometimes that can be overwhelming, you know? So we kind of talked about that a little bit last season. And we had a question just this morning about a parent who has a son and a daughter and they're both under the age of six and, you know, they innocently engage, you know, with each other's private parts or fun parts, you know, like she's genuinely asking like, when do I step in or like, what's, and I have no idea. I don't know what I would do. And I would be so curious. I mean, specifically for Becky and for Steve, because they've had kids those ages already what would your advice be to someone who's like, you know, I noticed my child exploring this area of my body, or maybe they're exploring it with a peer their age or a sibling. Like, I remember Becky, you said, I don't know what season it was. Like, you don't want to rush in and be like horrified because the kids feel that energy and feel that reaction and that can ignite shame. But like, how do you gently, I know not everything's a teaching moment, but when it is a teaching moment, like, (laughs) what do you do? First thing I want to say is I'm just, I'm aware, you know, that just trigger warning, you know, like some people maybe that were abused by a sibling, Sure, you know, so just, okay, breathe in, breathe out. And secondly, consent is always the answer. If you're seeing your kids playing in the bathtub, you know, and it looks fun and consensual. I don't think you need to jump in there and stop it. Cause that's, woo. but also be really, I really want to hear what you have to say, Becky, 
this just comes to me though, as you're there, be mindful and intuitive of what you think is happening. And then later on, even individually, you could say, hey, you know, I noticed you guys were playing in the bathtub. It looks like you guys are having fun, you know. Mm. Was that fun? Or, you know, and right, just keep it light, keep it, you know, because if it isn't, maybe one of your kids says, you know, yeah, but that used to be fun, but now I'm not comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Then you could help set some boundaries, you know, mm-hmm. but help the kids set some boundaries. What do you think, Becky? Well, I think all of, I want to first start with the thing of if parents are still experiencing shame around their own bodies, it's really easy to transfer that shame without even knowing you're doing it. Mm. So it's, you can see something happening. And so I, I think the first place we have to stop and check is, wait, am I comfortable touching my own body? Am I comfortable with this? Because we want to be sure to own our own stuff and not transfer and put it onto our children. So I think that's first and foremost. And I think for many people, especially in the Christian culture, it hasn't been something that they've actually talked about, or maybe they're beginning to talk about, and they don't really have a language for. So the best piece of advice that somebody gave me is don't try to be an expert when you're still a learner. Mm. So with your kids, you can say, you know, here's some things I'm learning even I'm, I'm having to unlearn some things, but as they get older, but when they're little, you can say, okay, here's some things I'm learning versus this is how you do it. And so the other thing too, that I want to say about the innocence of in the bathtub, I think baths are just a beautiful time to experience the human body and the wonder and the differences. So I had both girls. So there was a lot of girl parts, you know, I, I just did. And it was, so when we had like a nephew who stayed or one of my daughter's best friends was a little boy. And when he stayed and I put them both in the bathtub, it was like, what's that? It was you curiosity. Know? It's curiosity. That's the place it starts. But it's also, I had one of our daughters that wanted to pee standing up because her daddy did, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, this doesn't work this way though, you know, and I can't tell you how many messes I had to clean up. But she had to learn that she couldn't do it. But for her, it seemed more efficient, you know, and so she wanted to quickly get that done. But so I think, but those are learning moments. They're just learning moments. And I personally had to deal with my own, seeing my children's innocence made me realize, oh, I had lost that innocence. So therefore, I didn't want them to lose their innocence. But it's a dance you have to do between what you're triggered with and what is coming and emerging right in front of you. So one of the things that, I mean, I've bathed a lot of kids in my life. That doesn't, that sounds a little creepy, but you know, I mean, I just, we have a lot of, I wouldn't of, put it on my resume, but I mean, no, yeah. that's <laughs> nice. But I mean, you're a grandparent. I'm a and, grandparent. Yeah. I have, we have good friends. I mean, I, I take care of your daughter, you know, I, but that's one of the things that I want to have respect for the body. And so what we're trying to teach kids is respect for their own body so that that penetrates out and speaks to the rest of the world, they can have respect. It just emanates to others' bodies. How do we, so going back to the question that one of our parents asked us about, she has a daughter and a son, and obviously it can also, like, you had two daughters and Steve, you have all boys that were little at the time. And like, and I think, you know, it can happen in any sort of scenario, like any combination of kids hanging out. But like, how do we know or how do we sense or what, how would you advise a parent when they sense violations happening versus children are being curious, children are being explorative. It's not necessarily sexual as much as it is like, what is this? You know, mm-hmm. like in those two scenarios, Becky, if you sense there's a violation happening, 
how would you react? And then if you sensed it was curiosity and exploration, how would you react? If I sense that it's curiosity, I would join in to the curiosity. Can you be more specific about to, that? I think you need to be more specific about with, that. I mean, with, okay. I, not, yeah. Not like. I know, but. I, I would, yeah, I would go. join oh. in the tugging and poking and <laughs> punching crotches. No, I'd get curious with them. I'd ask questions. With your like, words. With my yeah. words. I yeah. would get, I would join in with my words and I would yeah. offer them language for, oh, Tommy, I see that you're touch. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> That's not the right word, yeah. first of all. Okay, sorry. Bill, I see that you're... <laughs> Bill. I see that you're <laughs> you're, you're curious about Sandy's um, Sandy. vulva. What year is it? <laughs> Bill and Sandy, my 72-year-old <laughs> neighbors that are in the bathtub together. Okay. And why am I here? Yeah. Bill and <laughs> Sandy. Okay. That's got to be the title oh of this gosh. episode. Bill and Sandy <laughs> has to be. But oh I would I would use their I would use their name I would call out what they're touching I, I always use correct body language for when they're touching themselves or things like that and I think what it does is it gives kids it helps them to feel empowered so if they're curious and I can see that going on I would join in with words and I would there all of a sudden we're together doing this we're being curious together and yeah you know when I was little I was curious too and I had a brother and you know I mean or things like that you can actually relate to them and. The thing that I have seen, and I've only had it happen to me one time where I've been, where I'm watching children and I was babysitting some friends, kids, and I, it was just a little bit over the line. And I was like, I don't think that's exactly what, I don't think it's as playful. Mm -hmm. So I just actually, they were both in the tub and I said, let's turn around and let's be back to back for a minute. And that's what I said. Let's just be back to back. And I'm going to give you this washcloth and do this washcloth. And I want you to wash your privates. And I watched how they washed themselves. And the one little boy, bless his sweetheart, he kept, he couldn't do it without reaching, looking around at the little girl that was behind him. And she was just in there just doing her stuff, washing herself and everything. And it was that moment that there was something inside of me that I just knew that I knew something had happened. I didn't know what. And so I just went to the parent. I mean, I got them both out separately and I just went to the parents and told the parents when they came. If, that you, I was if concerned. you were the parent in that scenario, mm -hmm. like it could, let's say it happened between your two daughters yeah. or it happened to your daughter and her friend or yeah. whatever the combination is. If you are the parent mm -hmm. and you don't have to go and, past the puck of responsibility, yes. you know, like what would you do? I would actually do the very thing that Steve said is I'd wait until later and I would just say, Hey, I noticed that you were really interested in Sandy's, you know, or whoever yeah. it was. I noticed you're really interested in that. Can you tell me about that? Well, how did you learn to touch like that? Mm -hmm. Can you, can you tell me with that? Oh, does that feel, what does that make you feel like? Yeah. What do you, does it feel like when somebody touches you? Right. What does it feel like when you touch that person? And so inviting them into as much conversation as they can have dependent upon their age. And therefore they have to find their own language inside of them. And I would then notice their body behavior because it's interesting. What I know from having been abused myself is when someone has been abused, they carry the responsibility that somehow, and a lot of times the language that is used by abusers is that the one who's being abused caused it. So I want to say there's automatically there's some shame that you watch it. You can see it in children when they are touching their genitals in a way that you can see it sometimes where, and it's like, that just is, that's what I want to get after and go, Oh, I don't have to enter into the shame. Now as a parent, I'd have to control my anger mm -hmm. 
because immediately I'd be angry and I'd start spinning stories in my head. And what's really important is that I stay present with the child and what the child's experiencing. Would you also then draw a boundary after that, that like maybe those kids don't have naked time together yeah, like in, maybe in not. a bathtub yeah. or whatever yeah. it is? It depends upon their ages, but sure. I would for sure that that would be a signal that maybe from then on, maybe he takes a shower, you know, or maybe he's getting old enough. He takes a shower. I had a time I was babysitting some kids that they were a little bit older and the little boy wanted me, and he was old enough to take his own shower, but he was so excited. He wanted me to wash his hair. And I was like, okay, I'll come and wash your hair. And, and we were doing funny things with the shampoo sure. and his hair, everything like that. And he says, take a picture. He wanted me to take his picture. And so I took his picture and stuff like that. And I immediately sent the picture to the parents because I was like, I wanted them to know. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like he's a little old for me to be bathing him. But he was the one who invited me to do that. And I had a conversation with the parents as soon as they came home, I wanted them to be aware. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say, but that whole time I was I was reading the signals he was giving me, like I gave him a washcloth and I said, here, you know, and he draped the wash washcloth over him. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I was trying to be sensitive to what, but he was the one inviting me to come and care for him. And it was like, he wasn't uncomfortable mm-hmm. until we were done washing his hair. And then I just said, okay, you, know, you can finish up your shower and mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. But I, you listen to the children and you try and gauge how comfortable they are. Do you think there is an age threshold about adult interactions with kids, like when they're naked or like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just curious. With my own kids, yeah, there came a point where they did not want right. me or Mary to see them naked, Yeah, you know, and they just kind of, and we respected that. You just let them set that but boundary. It's hard too, though. Cause like, you know, I remember one time, I think there was one of our kids had a rash or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and like we wanted to check, but they're like, hey, don't, you know, and then, well, you know, we, we kind of have to, so that we were navigating that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I do think many kids, most kids, they tell you, will tell you. If you pay attention, yeah. they will tell mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And I remember even with our young girls, there was a point that they didn't, I mean, there were some nights, I just want daddy to give me a bath. Nope, I want mom to. And then it was like overnight, it was like every night we had to gauge whose turn is it and will we? And then it just happened very naturally. And it was like, I don't want daddy in the bathtub anymore. I don't want dad in the bathtub. I don't want daddy in the bathroom anymore when I'm taking a bath. And it was like, or okay. Bill. I don't or want Bill. Bill in there either. <laughs> but I mean, there is that element of just listening to our kids. But I think if we give kids a language around their own body too, mm. like, and I think bath time is such a perfect time to teach them respect for their bodies, but also to teach them care for their bodies. Mm. So just like we clean our toes, oh, we also clean our penis. And, you know, it's like there's, you know, I just think that that's why do we make that a harder thing than the toes? The toes are important to keep clean just as much as the penis is too, or the, the vulva. And it's like we're giving kids language at an early age where they don't have to have this fear of even like the washcloth was originally invented. So people didn't have to touch their genitals. Mm. That was the whole reason it was invented in the Victorian age Mm. because Mm. it was considered a sin to touch your genitals. But it's like, doesn't mean we still have to carry it the same way. We can use a washcloth in a healthful way. I just think too, it's been fun with my little, little one because she's at that age where she's point like poke, literally pokes my eye itself. You know, (laughs) it's like, we're going to be gentle. And nose and mouth and ears. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) Just and hair. And then she'll go down and we, uh, one, there's such tender moments that happen at Mm -hmm. bath time too. Like, and so I remember the first time when we talked about like belly buttons, like I have a belly button and you have a belly button. And she put like her finger in my belly button and a finger in hers, like just, and then this beautiful connection of like, you know, think about 
milk accord and all these um, ways that we're connected. And, and then she'll touch her vulva. And she has no concept that what's off limits or what's right. different than anything else too. And it's like, I just notice in myself to keep the same tone of language and all these different things. Cause it's so much of that is inherited, you know? Mm-hmm. And one story I want to tell that my mom just says all the time that it, apparently when I was little, I'm the firstborn, but I would, I would shower with my dad. And she said she knew I was done showering with my dad when I would catch water off the end of his penis. It's <laughs> like, and it's just such an interesting thing of like, okay, like that, you know, just the innocence and all the things that like, oh my gosh. But I just think about like, you just have to gauge that. But she tells the story often enough that I can recall <laughs> that is it. so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> can you, I, you know, Ashley, I think the other thing too, we were talking the other day about changing diapers. Mm-hmm. Would you mm-hmm. share that? What you? Yeah. I just think, I was thinking about that too, because I'm like, I don't remember my mom saying like, oh, you're, this is dirty. But like with my daughter, like changing her diaper and sometimes now her arms are long enough that she'll like grab down there. And sometimes it's like, there's just stuff, stuff everywhere, there's you know, ex- yeah. and you're like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, don't get that in your hand. You're trying to navigate and she's squirming and everything. But being really conscious of not saying it's dirty, mm-hmm. it's dirty here. I you know, like we need to change this and saying Alan's actually said, like, we need to get you fresh when you do that. And so just being really conscious of how, even though we're talking about a state of where the body is at, because it's what's on it is dirty, but it's associated with a certain part of the body. Mm-hmm. And so how do we be conscious of what we're naming that's happening in there and saying, I'm cleaning you up and we're getting, you know, getting you fresh and because uh, it's like I said, I don't remember that being Mm-mm. language being said to me, but I'm like, somehow that got placed in there, you know? Well, I just, uh, with the diaper changing, I remember when one of my, I can't remember which grandson it was, but we were changing him and he was, you know, in that squirmy stage and it was like up the bed. It was yes, everywhere. everywhere. It was just everywhere. And you're just like, oh my goodness, how do I do this without, you know, we called poop Nami. Um, <laughs> it's like, how do you actually do this? And I thought it was brilliant. My daughter gave him a wipe. And gave him a wipe and said, okay, let mommy get this. And then you get to, once I'm done, then you can uh, wipe. And he was maybe like 18 months old, something like that. So he's there holding his little wipe up like this. And then she gets him all cleaned up. And I mean, it was a two-man job, really, literally. I mean, because I'm doing the backside of it. And then he just takes his little thing and he just kind of, because he's wiping and touching and, you know, but he's not getting in the mess of it, That's smart. but he's participating. And I thought that was brilliant. I just thought that was brilliant. So anyway, I've got another question. Can I pivot? It's still about parenting because this is something that I've been thinking about. I mean, I won't have to do this for a while, but how do you begin to discuss and teach your child? about their personal consent, but also about respecting and honoring consent in somebody else. Like one of the things I'm keenly aware of having a male child is that like, there's a lot of things that could be really confusing. Like, I don't want to be like, you have a monster inside of you and, you know, don't touch anybody. (laughs) Like, but I also want to be like, you know, you have to like ask permission, you know, there needs to be like sober, enthusiastic consent How do you even start? Because like I hear from my friends who have kids like in junior high and high school, you know, kids are being sexual earlier than even I remember. Like it was really my like eighth grade freshman year that I noticed my peers started to have sex in school, like in school, but like with each other. (laughs) The desk next to you. Kind of hate sitting next to This is the worst. Bill and Sandy. Bill and Sandy. Sandy Getting busy. Or Sandy and Sandy or Bill and Bill. So, uh, but like, yeah. So I, I am aware of like, I want to like protect him from like fumbling into a situation that is like unintentional, you know, but also like 
how do we hedge around like, you don't want to shame them, but like, you know, you have teenagers, you had teenagers, like, what do you do? (laughs) I actually think my sister-in-law and brother-in-law do a really beautiful job with this. They have a daughter who's elementary school aged and I have heard them since she was like probably two years old, just part of their regular parenting language is like, now remember your body is your body and their body is their body. So like, even if, you know, she's someone's holding her and she pulls their hair or something, which is an innocent thing to do. They just remind yeah. her, remember their body is their body. Your body is your body. So it starts like outside yeah. of the sexual it's realm. At, you mm-hmm. you oh, don't yeah. start yeah. in the sexual realm. Okay. I want to say also one of the things that I think we forget is I can't tell you how many times, you know, if, if I'm around somebody and they say, okay, give Becky a hug, give her a hug goodbye. And I'm like, I always ask the mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, nope, you don't have to hug me if you, you get to choose. And so it's like, we begin teaching consent by giving our children, by honoring their own body language as infants mm. and ch- and toddlers. Mm-hmm. Like I just, Ashley, I'm thinking of your daughter when we all first gathered together and here's all these different faces coming in and just let, giving her permission to warm up to us or to engage with us at her own pace. Mm-hmm. And not taking her from you. Like that's the other thing too. I've watched people go, oh, just I'll take her and she'll be fine. And it's like, that's going against a child's consent. It's telling them they don't have agency. Agency. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how you actually begin teaching it. And then that's where we need to get out of the mindset that we have to teach our children about sex. We have to teach our children. We teach them about being human, good humans and sexuality, having good, healthy sexuality as a part of it. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something that Tommy, who co-produces this show, is always really great to remind us that, like, kids are whole people. Like, these aren't partial people. These aren't on their way to being people. These are whole people. And they are developing and they're growing and they're, you know, they're at a different stage of life than us. But they are whole people. And so they also have agency and they also have, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's always a helpful reminder. That is a huge reminder. I think it's amazing to me how much she knows her intuition already. Like that's the part that like the constant communication I'm in with her, like she's has some words, but she, my daughter signs quite a bit and stuff. And I think actually food is a really huge way where you like, cause it's like, I feel like they're like, everything is a learning, but like watching her decide like if she's hungry or not, not forcing, like there's things where it's like, you can't like my job is to get food there and have her have food available to her, but her job is to choose to eat it. And when she's done, she's done, you know, and like, and to mm-hmm. honor that. And so it's like, there's so many micro moments along the way. And I think too about like, it's modeling too, like just how we as parents interact with each other, you know, and respecting space. But I've noticed that with her, cause she does take a lot to warm up and it's a generational thing too. Like, I appreciate you talking about like the hug thing and asking, but not everybody acknowledges that or like, that's, it's a smaller pocket of people that see that. And I remember the summer meeting an older aunt and my daughter like did not want to go to her. And she was like kind of upset. My aunt was, who's like almost 80. And it was like, this is not about you. I know you want to hold a baby, but you like give her time and space to warm yeah. up to you. And then finally she did, but it was just, and so just that job as a parent to help support that and encourage that and listen to them. And cause it's uncomfortable. Like the people pleaser in me wants to, honor the adult in my life, you know? And so it's, it's an interesting thing, but it is like, it starts from day one, which I guess I didn't realize either. Yeah. And I think when they get older, my kids, it's very specific when you are with a person. And even if you're leaning in for a kiss, you can say, Hey, I'd really like to kiss you. Can we, are you into that? Can we kiss? Teaching them to ask questions. 
and then all the way down the line. And, you know, I did not grow up in the age of consent. I didn't either. You know, there was, there was never, you never, this wasn't even, so that's a new thing. But when they get old enough to understand when you're in that situation, you even kind of model it. Here's how you would ask and here's what you would say. And, and TV shows are starting to get better about modeling consent, which is good. You know, so I think it's starting to get normalized in culture a little bit more. But everything that everyone said is totally right in the money. And when they get older, it's really okay to get very specific about here's how you might ask. As your kids are getting older, and yep. they have they want yep. to have their own experiences. Uh-huh. I mean, I remember... In college, like girlfriends thinking it's lame when a guy asked her right. if he could kiss her. Like, oh, that's so lame. He should have just like grabbed me. You know what I mean? Like, and I remember having those conversations and I didn't really know what to think because consent wasn't even like part of the language yeah. I understood. It was like always implied that if you did it the way God wanted us to, then there's always consent. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is really poor form, you know. Or if I'm not objecting. Yeah, like, but I want to say a common trauma response is to freeze. Hmm. That's so much of my own experience. And that's what's dangerous about that's why we need to learn and teach our kids, I would say auditory consent. Mm-hmm. And I think as adults, we need to have auditory consent because trauma can cause us to freeze. And then just because we're not speaking no up, well, you, well yeah. they didn't. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have said, but I didn't protest. It's because you were in a trauma response. Yeah. I froze. I mean, as sense. someone who was tackled on a bus in fifth grade and you kissed actually, by their girlfriend. You did freeze. Yeah. I wish that her parents had taught her her body was her body. <laughs> and your body. My yeah. body was my body. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's a fifth grader. It's like, what do you do? You should have known, Crystal. No, I just <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, we are kids trying to, at that point, we're kids trying to figure yeah. out how to exist, you know? And so it's like, it's not always cut and dry like this is a violation and Mm -hmm. this is exploratory like because so much of it depends on how it sits with both parties involved you know and so like like i had a friend tell me about a child that they have or a member of the church like gave her butterfly kisses and she found out from like a friend who saw it happened you know and that kind of really horrified her because she's like, that's really intimate to get that close, you know, for an older man to get to her young daughter's face like that, you know? And so she talked with him about it directly and he was incredibly apologetic and said it wouldn't happen again. And, you know, and then she talked to her daughter about it and her daughter like didn't even blink an eye about it. Hmm. And so she was like, so worried that her daughter would have felt violated, but her daughter didn't. So then in that moment, I think she wisely was like, well, I'm not going to like, force her to feel violated. Like if if she felt breezy about it, Mm -hmm. we'll move on. And I went and addressed the adult and it shouldn't happen again, you know? And so I thought that was really interesting too. Like if I have a child and I'm like, he must have felt violated, that might not be how he felt and not imposing. Like that's kind of what you're saying about not opposing your own experience. Yeah. It's just another way of removing that child's agency. Right. You know, to let them feel their own Mm -hmm. feelings and... Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between like a butterfly kiss and then like something where there's mm-hmm. penetration yeah. happening yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. One thing that there's a group on Instagram that I follow, I think it's called Our Mama Village. And they just do a beautiful job about parenting. And there was one kind of thread they talked about being really conscious about not romanticizing friendships at a young age. Mm-hmm. Like how much we oh, do that yeah, of like yeah, yeah. when kids are little. Oh, of is like, that your boyfriend? Is that your girlfriend? Right. Is that your. Yeah. Yeah. Like boys and girls can just be friends. And mm-hmm. I say that to like. 
we tend to do a gender binary on that. Mm-hmm. I'm watching that right now with my nieces and nephews where it's like, oh, like, and it's like, can they just be friends and enjoy being mm-hmm. with you? So asking questions to your kids of like, what do you enjoy about this person? What do you enjoy about your friendship versus like, oh, do they, you know, just do you like so-and-so? And that sort of thing where we start to do that at such a young age that it sets kids up to try and mimic things instead of just allowing it to be. And then there was, you know, how sometimes too that the language of, oh, he's mean to you. That means he likes you mm. and how much that sets up future abuse too. Like these things that we kind of, we don't even realize we're necessarily saying, or just our common things of like, oh, boys will treat you that boys are boys and this mm-hmm. sort of thing. So just being even conscious of that, of allowing children to be children and explore what it is to be in relationship with each other and not be like, oh, our, we have two kids that are the similar ages and maybe, you know, it's like, just allow them to be. And cause then you're also placing, what do you expect relationships to look like for them down the road? And it could be different than you anticipate. So that's yeah. good. I think overall the invitation to us all is to be aware of children as whole beings and we get to learn from them only if we're willing to admit that we still have things to learn and we're not the experts. And I think it's a really important thing to use our power for presence, not use our power for trying to power over and control children. Mm. I'm not sure that always feels like power and control and such like a domineering thing when it's happening. Like I think about, I'm not a parent, but I'm an uncle and I've been someone's child and I think about the things that really affected me and it has been when a parent or an adult figure in my life has so normalized their experience of life that they can't approach my experience of life with any genuine curiosity. Mm. And I've caught myself doing that with my nephews and nieces where I approach them and I've, you know, sort of tease them about this or that thing that they do. And then realize like, just because something looks different for them than what I experienced at that age, doesn't mean that there's like something off here, you know? And I've had to learn to like recognize when I'm, when I've normalized my own experience and instead approach them with generous curiosity. I see that a lot with, especially one of, well, really my nephews, because you know, they're like one's in high school, one's in his early twenties. And I've watched him grow up through high school and just all of the sort of things that were trends for them that were like ridiculous as an adult to look at, you know, but, but sort of remembering, learning to remember what that felt like when someone mm-hmm. told me that the way that I was expressing or experiencing adolescence was wrong or, you know, that something mm-hmm. should change about it. So I, I think that in the moment that doesn't feel like you're being controlling or you're asserting power or anything like that, but but it is exactly what you're doing, you know, or yeah. you're trying to do. I think one of the best ways to get to know kids and to know who a child is, is to go into their room. I love when I meet a new kid or something like this, show me your room and then tell me about your room. I just can't tell you how f- beautiful it is to lay in a kid's room, like even lay on the floor and just look at what have they put up. And I would encourage this for parents. If you really want to know who you're, kid is and as they're teenagers and they start expressing some of their own creativity and things like that, go be in their room when they're not there. Don't go and snoop. That's not what I'm saying. Just go and be and get curious because then you're going to have things to talk to them about because you can ask them about that poster. You can ask them about, you know, the way they've 
they're decorating or something. You can, there's, you have conversation with them, but Rick and I recently, we were at some friend's house and this girl had graduated to where she had her own room. She used to share a room with her sisters. And we said, Oh, show us your room. Let's go. And so we both went down there and we crawled up on the bed and she crawled up there with us. And she just began to, I mean, and at first she was really kind of awkward because she's, you know, she's a teenager. And, and I was like, Oh, tell me about this. And she had this beautiful collection of bracelets on the wall. And I mean, we were in there for 35 minutes, Mm. 35 minutes that she, this teenager wanted to show us her room because Mm. she was, but what she was really doing is showing us who she was. Mm -hmm. And we walked away and I felt so honored. But my question is, are we willing to take the time to get to know who they are, not just who we want them to be? Because who they are is already enough. Or just like how they're behaving. Yeah, they're more than their behavior. Yeah. They're more than their behavior. There's so much that's so deep. I just, I think every child is a mystery to explore too. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. Being curious about moments where they will show you who they are. Mm -hmm. But it's going to take time. Yeah, and and not predicting. Oh, you're going to, you know, pretty soon you're going to be attracted to someone. You know, I have a friend that's asexual and maybe not, you know, yeah, you just don't need to predict, you know, because everyone gets to have their own journey. That's really good. This episode of Fun Parts was produced, edited and mixed by me, Luke Braun. Our artwork was designed by the very talented Alan Lusink. All the music you heard in this episode was composed, produced, and licensed by the fine folks at blue.sessions.com. Check out our website at funpartspodcast.com and be sure to follow us on social media at funpartspodcast. Lastly, if you want access to bonus and behind-the-scenes content from this and other Milieu Media Group shows, join our neighborhood at the Patreon link in the show notes. And now... Here's a scene from the next episode of Fun Parts. You know, not everybody will experience the actual pregnancy of like a body expanding, but everybody has experienced needing space to expand Mm -hmm. so that their life can happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Every person has needed space created in order to form and live. Yes. And when we squelch that space, it's death. Because we're verbs, because we're continuously mm-hmm. evolving and changing and growing, we do need space to do it. <laughs>